Welcome to the Fatty Z Muskie Podcast. I'm Andy. Joining the phone, we have Todd. Hi, Todd. I'm here shooting my leg, boys. We have Vance. Hi, Vance. Hi. That was out of order. It was out of order, wasn't it? It was. So, anything you guys want to talk about before we hit the plugs? Mm. I wish I was hunting. Do you? Um, We're supposed to get a bunch of snow tonight. Hey. Yeah. That'll be good for visibility. Are you Which still now? are you still fishing, Vance? No. I fished with my, my father. That's it. So okay, so you're not pulling the boat tomorrow. No. Yeah, it, it's looking really bad. Well, that's great. Didn't know if you were gonna be you know, yanking the boat forty minutes to the east through a snowstorm. No, 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 no. That would, that sounds like disaster for me. Sure does. Sure does. Okay. This podcast is brought to you by Fat AZ Musky Products. Fatazmusky.com is the website. Uh, starting up here shortly, probably closer to the first of the year, we're going to be back in the paint booth getting ready uh, to make inventory on baits. So with that being said, there's not a lot of inventory for the baits. Uh, last time you were in Hogan's Hut, um, how, how was the in-stock inventory for them? There was not much there. I was just I was there just a week or so ago. And uh, they had some 10s, they had some stingers, a few raptors, not very many. I'm going to say 25. They might even pull them off the shelf by now because they it's a small place and they start putting up hunting stuff. So it was getting pushed over to the side. Uh, do they I'm do sure a, gonna... a lot of ice fishing stuff too, I, I would imagine? Yeah, yeah, ice fishing. And, uh, you know, the, when I, the last time I was in, they were like stocking up all their hunting hunting gear and the fishing, the, the, the fishing lures were pushed over to the side. Okay. They left. I haven't been in a Donald's in a while, so okay, we got to make some. Oh, it's coming. Uh, we're gonna have to, and mm-hmm. um, so other than that, rod holders. You know, I'm still um, still talking to people, setting up boats. You know, a lot of uh, more stocking stuffer kind of Christmas gift deals uh, going on there. So if you have any questions about a boat setup, you know, maybe you got a new boat coming in in the spring and you're looking for some options or. You know, or you want to revamp the uh, your existing setup. So uh, feel free, reach out, call, text, email, message, any of that stuff. So I'm all good there. You can find, I don't know how many baits are left. I've had some people message asking for inventory, but uh, check out Team Rhino Outdoors or Muskie Tackle online. All right. Todd, let's hear Muddy Creek. Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, mcfishingguides.com. Check out the website. Uh, Vance and I will be fishing early season, a little bit April and May, and then we'll be up at Chautauqua Lake last Saturday in May through November, October, November, something like that. And uh, I know we got uh, early seasons pretty booked up for me. I think Vance is pretty booked up also. So uh, got some openings in Pennsylvania. Uh, for that April, May fishing. And then after that, for me, it's like, you know, 
got after the fourth. If you know when you're coming up to Chautauqua, get a hold of us sooner rather than later. We'll try to get you out there, get you on the water. So, yeah. And don't forget about those five to nines if you're a procrastinator and didn't book up. If you do book up, we're going to be fishing out of Ranger Boat. Shout out to them um, for sponsoring the show in Muddy Creek. Uh, going to be in two new ones, Lord willing, uh, next year. And the water don't uh, rise. Lord willing, yeah. And the water don't rise. Go Other ahead. new ones. You're getting, you got a new one on order? I do, yeah. It's because well, I break, yeah. break well, one yeah. every year. Months. I know. Are, are there are there any updates that that they've done to that model? Not really. No, I, I don't believe. I got some stories about it though. Um. Anyway, check them out at Vic Sports Center. They are taking orders, um, and I think the turnaround times decent now. Um, it seems like Ranger has a. Uh, a hold on the whole uh, COVID excuse stuff. So get your order in. You'll have your boat by the spring, uh, according to Vix. So check them out there, Vix. Of course, StarCraft, Star Welds, Tritons. Um, nothing used right now that goes in and out. Uh, and check them out for service, winterization, anything like that. Um, St. Croix Rods, best rods on earth. Uh, give them a fair shake if you're in the game. Uh, we like their trolling rods. Use them, abuse them, all that good stuff. And that's it for me. All right. If uh, if you're looking for a winter project, you know, maybe spruce up your boat. Uh, you know, take take a long look at and some deep thought into the one part of your boat that actually touches your feet. And that's your flooring. Uh, I, I would, uh, you know, the, the typical outlet you would go with would, you know, be carpet, you know, some vinyl. People get creative and use like those, I call them like submarine mats, but I'm not sure if that's really their name. You know, like those rubber mats with all those round holes in them. Barback mats. Is that what it's called? They remind me of a bar or like washing dishes. My first, you know, tax job when I was like 14. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you kind of have those things, you know, you, other people, you know, they'll put down a sheet of plywood or what have you, and then they paint it. But, you know, if you're looking for like something maybe next level, something that's going to be, you know, really comfortable, it's going to stay looking good for a long time. How about like stain resistant? You know, um, non-slip. I, that's, I don't know. I think that's good. How about easy to clean? Sound I, dampening? Does this sound like you, Vance? It sounds like something I would like. It sure does, doesn't it? How about... Would you like to go around saying that your floor is 100% cross-link, closed-cell polyethylene foam? The neighbors would be super jealous. I Tell me about it. <laughs> now, let me tell you. You can have all of this. All you need is aqua traction. Is your mind blown? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking it up right now. Well, tell me, how was your aqua traction this year? 
was great. Uh, I didn't watch it once, and not surprising. It held up. <laughs> Overall, do you, you do you believe that it is a step up from regular marine carpet? I think it's yeah, night and day. Um, and I always said that we we cast it a, a hex ton this year, and it was night and day from going in the cockpit to up on the casting platforms. Uh, it's it's worth it. It's nice on the feet and nice on the lower back. Um, I think it's pretty cost cost efficient uh, from some of the um, write ups we got about doing an eighteen eighty and a twenty eighty and six twenty ones and boats all over the place. Uh, jet boats and, and stuff like that. It's not as expensive as people. You kind of get like sticker shock in the opposite way. Um, and I, ju- I just think it's just a million times better than, than carpet and the way to go. And if it can last a season on my boat, which things do not do that, um, it's pretty good. Nice. Well, you made my you made my little read here a little bit easier. I keep trying to you know mix it up some, but you know I I can't say that you know I put tons of hours on mine, but I really did enjoy I enjoy my boat. I think it it's a huge facelift for mine. Uh, it looks great. Uh, definitely is going to improve resale value should I ever decide to sell the boat. So you know keep that in mind if you're looking to kind of spruce up the uh, the interior of your boat with a lot of functionality and you know great looks. Um, if you're in our area here, like the Akron, Ohio area, look up, uh, Nick at amfmarine.com is the website. AMF is the email. Sorry. AMFmarine.com. That is their, his website, but you can also look up aqua traction and see a local dealer in your area. Um, this is built for your boat. It's not just, you know, something stamped out. This is close enough. They model your boat and cut it accordingly really cool stuff so thank you aqua traction all right i think there's i think there's an option just talking about like flooring on the boat uh i think that some boats have options to put some type of like foam pad underneath the carpet so it's a little bit it would almost be like a matting like okay. you would do in your house yeah um it still would suck if you yeah. had to cut cut that up and it got wet and stuff. That's I think like with, a lot more water. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's nothing worse than in Toto experiences next year, um, like where you have a, a big rain day and then you know a, a hot sunny day. And uh, you've done this in the past, of course. But then, like, you go to check the down rod and you put your knee on that back deck, and then all of a sudden it's just soaked. Wish. Yeah, so like the the pro the the pro in that would be, uh, you know, it dries quicker and stuff like that. Well, not absorbing water is a big thing. So even if it is wet and you put your knee on it, it's not like you have this reservoir hiding under the surface, just waiting to be squished into your clothing. Yeah, right on. You're, Vance, you're just getting that in the in the the. Uh... Or yeah, but I might I might be working with them where uh, the boat gets it everywhere. Yeah. They're in, in the uh, 
they're in this like stage where they're either going to mold their own um, lids and things like that for your storage per boat. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that's going to be like financially viable, but uh, they're they're thinking about doing that, and I'm going to work and see. I would certainly love it all over the boat, because like I yeah. said, from standing up on the platform to standing in the cockpit was like night and day. And there was like days where you would have like a million single, you would have like 20 single people in a row and I'd have to cast with them. And like, I'd be like, I'm I'm destroyed right now. Like, please have two people or please let this be a trolling day. Uh, Just from standing on that, that hard surface, a huge difference. That's why we like, go crazy over the musky max we're like yeah this was nice we played, we had a musky show on field turf that was very nice we should yeah, be having it there of, again they are i believe if they're having shows i mean they're on schedule but who knows what happens you know you never know there might be a food shortage <laughs> not after next saturday boom that's right. Sandies. That's right. And load up the truck. That's exciting. We're gonna have a skin in pole too. Does that make you excited, Todd? It does make me excited. Actually, actually that's, Good. Yeah. that's incredible. Did you say goosebumps? <laughs> <laughs> you sound bashful, very muffled. We could yeah, we could all tag early. And then we could we could start the the process before we just let Todd have at it. He he gets all the fun. He's a gravy grabber. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't even get the tonneau cover shut on the truck because there's so many deer piled in there. Yeah, yeah, that that doesn't draw any attention to any of the local authorities. <laughs> two two yeah. men driving down the road with a dozen deer in the back. Deer. <laughs> like cordwood it's like no they're all tagged and i'm leave me alone i mean obviously this is a a a discussion we should have not on (laughs) the show but Mm -hmm. we could probably have it to where we can even break the quarters down and and then it's not nearly as obvious yeah well we got to shoot first we know how hard it is for you to pull the trigger handy it's not hard at all you missed the story of can opener it took me like three hours to do it, and I was done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been. Uh, oh yeah, I've been in the in the in the stand with you. Be I, nice. I just want to let the uh, podcast world know that I can't buck hunt anymore at Andy's. I've been kicked off. Yeah, that there has. Uh, Dad has made a rule that it is now family only buck hunting. So. Yep. So I cannot buck hunt anymore, and it is specifically because uh, just intimidation when you have somebody like me, <laughs> the greatest hunter, to step foot on the property. Uh, you know, I get it. So there, there is that is a uh, that was a very big concern about mm-hmm. um, you know when you have a Chris Kyle type uh, person mm-hmm. around. Around, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the amount of bucks that Vance has taken off that place is staggering. Oh, 
Just the ask that one at 350 yards. It, well, it is no longer on the property. <laughs> yes. I am am certain that, that that bullet did land eventually in a buck. <laughs> it just wasn't Somewhere. that one. It was the one behind it. Three quarters of a mile. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone doesn't understand the reference, because this was probably two or three years ago, Vance uh, has a drop reticle on his on his rifle scope, and there was a miscalculation on which line to use, and uh, it was held one line too high. <laughs> where the you bullet sure it was actually, one line? I don't know. Okay, it was at least one it was line. A too couple, high. yeah. <laughs> but coincidentally, the 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 great thing about that story, other than the fact that we get to have a little fun with that, is. I'm trying to remember, within like a second, two separate stands, Vance and Todd pulled the trigger at almost the exact moment. Mm-hmm. When you actually think about how, like the actual odds of that happening without people in communication counting, like I've seen well, we, people when they're we like... do it on the water all the time, me and him. Just got uh, one, me too. Well, okay, but this is two people, hundreds of yards apart, pulling the trigger throughout the day to try to shoot a doe within like a second of each other. Yeah. It's not like you're like, I'm going to wait till I hear his gunshot, then pull the trigger. You guys were aiming at deer at the exact same moment and pulling the trigger within a second of each other. There are some like people that will like have two guns up on like some target. They're like, okay, on the count of three, we're going to pull that have bigger gaps in, in the trigger pulls. And yeah. they're trying. That's that's what I'm trying to go with. I yeah, think... it was neat that that happened. But if I, uh, you know, Todd probably like made the decision in about five seconds, maybe four. <laughs> and and I this took was about, like five minutes, and I was like, mm. I'm like... looking down at my phone. I'm trying to like, de- you know, develop the algorithm. You licked your thumb and held it up for wind speed. I was like, yeah. I have no idea what this is. <laughs> you, you pulled Here off the you, you pulled off the the elevation turret cap and you just start clicking it randomly because you saw it on a movie. You're like, click, absolutely. Click. Just started move touching things. <laughs> oh man. I usually try to say something stupid before before I pull the trigger with you <laughs> in in like in the stand. Yeah, it's it's fun. I'm looking I forward last, to that though. Dude. Last year I said before I shot the trigger that I was the greatest hunter ever. <laughs> then I like pulled the trigger. <laughs> and then you're like, there's yeah. another one here, and I'm like, I can't shoot, you're standing in my window. And I racked one. You're like, I'm gonna do it. And I'm like, no, you're not. It's mine. But it, it come at like what's that? Didn't he come at like noon last year? Yeah, there was some issue going on and Vance showed up very late. But I did push a bucket into the you you pushed a doe to Todd's father. I did, yes, I did. I, it was a dog issue. I remember that now. Yeah, and we were standing there. I'm like, I'm going to give him another couple minutes, and we're standing. I'm like, I don't know, uh, I don't know where you're at. I we just got to walk in. <laughs> but apparently, uh, all worked out. Doesn't take miss, a, yeah, didn't miss much. Time, Vance. 
Yeah, I can't wait. You don't have to be there all day. You just got to be at the right time. Mm-hmm. Lord knows there's a lot of downtime. Yes, there is. Yeah. I'm excited for that, though. Can't wait. I am, too. This, this season's... Now, if I don't have a candy, am I allowed to shoot a buck? I, I, according to Father, are are you from um, the family? Yeah. Doesn't that suck? Andy. <laughs> like, I completely got uh, screwed. <laughs> that's what that's what Dad wants. That's what he said. He says, we're going to be shooting up the dough. So, anyways. I'm going to have to come hunt with you, Todd. Yeah, I, we'll try to get something going here for that. We've got two weeks. Yeah. Week and a half. Well, we got one week. <laughs> Actually, a day. <laughs> Five hours. Everybody, everybody send letters to Edinburgh Industries. Google it and uh, petition for... Uh, Vance and Todd to be allowed to shoot bucks on the annual doe day. <laughs> Send letters. Yeah. Address to Mr. Zomchik. Well, it's just you, you've proven too, too efficient at killing these deer. <laughs> Anyways. Well. I'm sure we can think of something fishing related. Absolutely. Such as I, like. So I broke. My kicker was toast at the end of the year for the last two seasons. Okay. Yeah. Just you toast. you were describing a problem to me, but I never, I never had a good follow up with you. That was a very similar problem to what Todd had. If So I asked you, I was like, you know, is it normal for your oil? when you check it off your dipstick to smell like gas. I'm and like half-heartedly the, saying that. And the answer is obviously no. Correct. So th- that's what was, uh, that's what was happening. So, and it was, uh, it was revving up and revving down and revving up and revving down. It wasn't consistent with the throttle. So you obviously could hear this RPM sh- shift and feel it in the boat as well. Uh, people fished with me and knew me. I called it hunt mode. Um, as a so joke. You, you've you've come to accept it so much that you've jokingly just been like, "Yeah, don't pay attention to that. We're going to be just fine." It's, it's a new, yeah. It's, it's new technology. It's hunt mode. You, you have a switch that just is like arbitrary. And you just flick it on. You're like, "Yeah, I turned it on. See, it's kind of mm-hmm. cool." When, see now, now you know it's on with that like red light next to the oil. Some yeah, and, and that that buzzing that sound that I I have a, yeah. a a a glove wrapped around real tight with some electrical tape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's hunt mode. So that ha- that happened. So naturally, I just like at the end of that day, I checked the fil- the oil filter, and then I changed the oil um, on the the small motor, the kicker. And when I opened up that bolt where the oil comes out. Um, it was like liquid. No, it should be. And it's, well, I mean, like, not a consistency, not, not, not a an consistency oil. Of, of, of oil. Um, and it smelled like gas, like crazy. Uh, so I was like, I, 
your your motor didn't shut down though. It like did, no, it didn't. Like you couldn't even, it wouldn't even start. Huh. I got an alarm and then shut down. And I I drained the oil. It take it took like five seconds to drain the oil. Mm-hmm. Gone. Mine took like a second because it was in more of a liquid form. Um, okay, so put it in layman's like terms. It's like your motor ate a whole bunch of Taco Bell. Sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> okay. I mean, it just came out like crazy there, and I was like, "Okay, that's not good." So I'm thinking that at this point, I was like, "Some there has to be some type of gasket or rubber seal that I just like wore right through for gas to get in here somehow." I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to shut the reservoir and I'm going to fill it up with a quart of oil, 10 W30 have stockpiles of that and uh, synthetic and I'm just going to pretend it didn't happen. How did that work out for you? Went out the next day, fired up nice blue, white fume and smell came out uh, and then it immediately shut off. So it was pretty good considering it didn't explode. Okay. So you, when you started it, it smoked blue. It smoked like blue white, yes. And then it shut off. You didn't shut it off. It shut off by itself. It did, yeah. Started up, gave it a little gas, and it just kind of, the RPMs just went down and shut right off. And what was the next part of the story? Well, the next part of the story is I actually took it to VIX, and this was in uh, early November, and uh, I was like, give this thing a once-over. I got, you know, a couple days left. If you can get ahead of this, it's something that you won't have to warranty uh, for the next owner, you know, what's going on. And uh, they they gave it, uh, like, Whatever, a once over, changed some things around. I picked it up. I went out, did a trip the next day. It ran. And then the next day, it did not run. So I have no <laughs> idea. What, so I have no idea what what happened there. Did you did you I, do any kind of poking around after the, you know, it ran and then didn't run? Did you check check the oil or anything like that? I did check the oil. It's pristine. Looks perfect. It's filled correctly and uh, just sucks. When uh, when you were driving, here's a, here's a, here's something though. Okay, so I've been so my kicker's down. There's like a whole web of things that are going through my head that is important for that kicker to run. One, it's hours off the big motor. But when the way that my boat was rigged up this year, and they are, they're pretty, uh, from what I've looked at, they're all pretty much rigged up the same this way, is if I had multiple casting days in a row, which we had many of, I would notice that that voltage would, throughout the drifts, you know, you do a mile long drift, a two mile long drift, whatever it is, 
you're sitting there on the on the trolling motor concentrating on one spot for an hour whatever it is i would fire up that big motor and everything would shut off and this was when i would have like two graphs on one up front one at the helm for me to see and the trolling motor is there something wrong yeah so i'm when i would fire up the big motor it seemed like everything was connected to that crank for the electronics to run off and it would die. I couldn't turn it over. It, I would like hit it. It would be like 12, three, 12, two, turn it over. Nothing happened, but there was enough juice in the kicker. I would start it and, you know, start to run with that to get back to the spot that I want to be at. And then I could eventually that alternator strong in those small mer- mercury kickers that it would give it enough juice for me to fire up the big motor eventually. So when this thing died on me, I'm thinking about all that in my head and I'm like, damn, you know, that's like my jump start. If I can't even get this thing to run and I have a couple casting days, I'm going to be screwed. Do you plug in at night? Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, that's now, it. Something's, something's wrong in the rating on that boat. Well, here's the thing. So the plug-in. The plug-in's a little bent up, and it takes um, a little bit of muscle to connect a male and female. And that's uh, strictly because I've driven off with it plugged in, and it's ripped a 110 outlet out of my camper and completely severed uh, an extension cord in half. So the the uh, the tongs on it are a bit bent. Did you and straighten like them you, at all with like a pair of pliers? Absolutely, but when I did that, of course, I like flattened, uh, not the two regular prongs, but the one on the bottom. Oh, it's, the ground. Like the ground, yes. So that one like got kind of smashed a little bit because it was like bent at a ninety degree angle for from when I just took off. Um, so it like smashed a little bit. And when I would, when I would connect, uh, the extension cord to it, it would always make like a electrical singeing sound that would eventually go away. And I would see that the bank charger was working. Okay. Okay. So that's all good. Uh, but these are just things that happen throughout the season. Like I'm talking about June all the way, all the way up until November. Uh, I was like, man, I, I really have to get this thing on the charger. And there's been even times when, you know, we talked about those bank chargers. If your cranking battery is below a certain level, if it's only like 50%, it will not spark a charge. You plug your boat in, it can be charging your, two or one or three trolling motor batteries, but it won't just spark a charge for that crank. Um, some safety measure thing. I didn't know, know it until I was dead on the water. So, and, and did some research, but, uh, so what I would do is just take a, like a, a separate battery charger and put it right on that, uh, crank. So you just override the, like, the, the... Yeah, it would get up to like 70 or whatever, and then the bank charger would kick in, and I'd be all good. Man, it sounds to me like you got a bad battery. Yeah, no doubt. 
sounds like that too, because there's no way I should do be a hundred percent charged, do a drift and then go to fire up the big motor and it just be dead. And it's not like all these graphs are on, you know, there was two. Yeah. So either you have a, you have a probably like a dead cell in the battery or there's something pulling a charge. There's something that's, that's on that is pulling enough current that you don't notice it immediately, but throughout the day you, you do pick up, you know, a, a drop. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what that would be, but anyway, so I'm just, I'm, I'm giving some, you know, you know, from yeah, the so stands. anyway, that, uh, so that's how I've kind of been operating, uh, on, on the backside of, of the guiding season, just, you know, trying to put band-aids on everything and, um, you know, micromanage life. And, uh, you know, the kicker was just very important for me because like I said, it was a, it was a jump for me. Um, and when it went down and started having issues and I was casting late in the fall, I was like, man, this sucks. Is there a, uh, pull cord to start that? Or is it all electric? There is a pull cord. Have you pull started it? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. That is, I'm going to give it, but the problem is not the big motor, but the problem is it's not on the big motor, but on the kicker, you have a pull start. Again, it won't stay on long enough. It just like goes into shutdown mode because something's wrong internally. Right, right. I guess what what I want to say is I want to give a tip to everybody out there. Um, If you have a kicker or a main motor that has a pull start, do yourself a favor and pull start it a couple times a year. Not like, like when it's cold, when it's warm, something like that. Because each, from from the people that you know, you had four wheelers or dirt bikes or anything like that, any any kind of motor, yes, that would require human effort to start it, not electric. There's always like a little trick that each motor likes. It likes oh, pump the primer this many times, or you pull the choke out for the first two ether. Um, you know, something like that, but figure out and just kind of keep it fresh in your head because like what Vance is talking about, this is, this is good stuff. And I know Todd's talked about this to where your battery might have enough juice to start the kicker and the kicker while it's running can put the voltage high enough to start to jump the big motor that can bail you out in a situation. However, if there's not enough juice that is in the battery to start the kicker, being able to start it manually can get you enough to where, hey, this thing's putting this voltage back in. I'll run this for whatever, five, ten minutes. Hopefully that's enough. Then I'm going to hit the key on the big motor to get it to start. Do you, you see how, why it's important that, you know, the good old oh, manual start? I used to do it all the time in my Sylvan. It was in 1985. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't a... Yeah, and it's, it's not... I did it yep. because... Had to. I had everything linked up at once, and it, they would charge the long casting days. Oh, I can't get it to turn. Fire the little one. Within uh, as soon as I fired the little one, then I could jump start. Right, but that should... exactly it should not be happening. I know, and uh, it's also that's that's a great tip. Like pull start your engine. Um, just to, if you've never done it before, there's a lot of new boat buyers out there. Pull the cord and 
get get that muscle memory down of, of kind of where you need to be uh, with those chords. Cause you can, if it, if, you know, crap does hit the fan, uh, you need to know how to do that. I'd rather pull the cord five times than row. Right. <laughs> Just thinking but, of that. <laughs> you know, there's some, some chords that could sit there. Those chords could dry rot. You pull it. It could, it could rip right out. My uncle has done that before. The um, one that launched the boat at the no boat launch. And it's almost good to pull the cord while the cowling's off. So you just see what is going on in there. Uh, and hopefully when a, you pull the cowling off, there's not a mouse nest. Exactly. Yeah. But just and to see what that, that cord is actually doing, because, you know, maybe you, maybe you're, you're in some current or all of a sudden uh, there's a lot of river fishermen, they're fishing dams and, and uh, things like that. And they can't, you know, they have a situation like me where their big motor won't fire, but they go to start their kicker. These are all hypotheticals, but then boom, your cord snaps and you don't know what to do. You could fix that with who knows a hoodie string, whatever. Uh, if you watch how that cord operates, there's, there's other things you can like wrap around it to try to, you know, uh, MacGyver yeah, it yeah you, get it you get it on the flywheel teeth and it might be just enough i had so on my one mercury outboard I, i'm trying to remember exactly which one it was it was i think it was my 90 on the flywheel this is one of those things that like you really wouldn't have known it unless you kind of knew what you were looking at it's an electric start it's a, it's a 90 horse but on the flywheel they had spots two spots they were opposite of each other where you could take a rope with a knot and you could put the knot in this like little like hook system and then you wrap the cord around and it's like this is an emergency if you have to like Vance said MacGyver pull start the yeah. big main motor they, they, they sent one with I mean I, I got there's one there's one came in the paperwork because I just went through all that and it has a one. knot on it it has a knot, and there's one that you can fire, and I've done that with 150s, and that's about as big as the one I've done, but I know they have one. You can wrap it around that flywheel. They send it to you. Here's the big, here's the biggest tip of all about this when you got the electric start. You have to remember to turn the key to on. Oh, yeah. If you're trying yes, to pull start big. it. If you're trying big. to pull start it and it's all the way off, it's not going to do anything. You have it turned off. It will not turn. You have to turn the key to the on position. <laughs> yes. That's Very excellent true. advice. That, because... that, that, that's great advice. But that, that thing, if people, it, it's not, it's not a long piece. I would say it has the diameter of, I'm just going to say like a hoodie string. There's a knot <laughs> on the end of it. And there's, it's probably about two foot long. If that, and there's a T grip. Yep, you you get thing. All you got to do is get that thing to turn. I mean, you're talking about you're you're spinning that thing, not even halfway around. You're wrapping it maybe twice, mm-hmm. right? And then you yank it and you can start them. Mm-hmm. And that many times in years past. And and if you want to know, experience the best feeling in the world. I mean, better than becoming a parent, better than winning the lottery is when you're frantically trying to start a boat by pull starting it and it fires up and it starts to run. 
all the mm-hmm. pain and anguish go away immediately. Yeah, absolutely. It's like a scene Driving in the movie. Driving back to the dock with the hood off the motor, but it's running. Is you get picked up to do that on those big ones. Uh, but you get back there. It's like, oh, you had motor problems. Yep, but I'm here. You should have like a a parade. You get back there like, yeah, look at this. I'm, I'm a man. Hood's <laughs> <laughs> in the back why is there a yeah. big rainbow slick behind you it's because i made it back you should see where i sat for the last 40 minutes <laughs> oh dude but that stuff could happen is so quickly you could be on a dead flat calm lake or to another extreme being sucked into uh you know to fall over a dam yeah. You, should, you should always have something like that in the boat. First time that, we fired, when I was with Dale Dale Wiley, we were on the Georgian Bay, and uh, I can't remember what was wrong with his. I think the starter went bad, and we were out in the middle of nowhere in amongst all these islands, and uh, took the hood off, wrapped that string around. We were like looking at the book. Okay, here's here's what you got to do. Right, it's it says to do this. And that's why I say about you got to turn the key on because we did it for a while. Didn't work. I bet you when you turn that key on, it fired up immediately. As soon as we turned the key on, we pulled it, we got it back, we got back in. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. But I'm going to bring up a point that Vance did. Always have a can of starting fluid. Ether. Ether. The, now I'm going to, a little word of caution here. If if you're use the minimal amount and know where to spray it, that's right. Like, don't do a Michael Scott jump starting a car. Just uh, just clamp <laughs> these anywhere. <laughs> just put these wherever. <laughs> um, but I mean, realistically, especially on those older two strokes with the premix and stuff like that, you are running them very lean on oil. So don't be like. Hey, I started on ether and I kept it running for five minutes by spraying it every 10 seconds. There's a strong possibility <laughs> you're not putting any yeah. lubrication in that motor. Yeah. While it is a short lived victory when the motor turns into one solid piece, <laughs> minimal is the key. That's good. That's good advice for new boat owners and. People that have owned boats for a very long time. Yeah. You got to have a compartment that'll get you out of a jam. Socket sets, ether, strings, stuff like that. Uh, Because you never know. Yeah. And then another thing is like when you were talking about, like, obviously this is a cinematic kind of thing. Your boat won't start and you're, you're about to go over a waterfall. And it's not just like a small one. It's a, it's a giant one. I used to think carrying an anchor was kind of like, why would you do that it, for cases like this? Throw it out there, tie it off. Now you're not moving, you know, really anywhere. Hankers are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Not the Folgers ones. Well, that that's okay. The Folgers ones, meaning you fill it full of sacrate and you put a big metal ring in it and you tie a yellow rope to it. Yeah. Um, something that digs. Yeah. The, uh, um, 
you know, with with all these power poles and spot lock features on your trolling motor, that stuff takes electricity, and that's a precious resource should you be stranded. Gravity will always be there, and as long as you don't, you know, you, you keep your rope tied, you're going to have that anchor, and you're going to be in one spot. Yep. So, they're not cheesy. Another, another bad anchor was there was a yellow rope connected to a sledgehead. Who did that? that I, I caught it. I don't know. I, I caught it uh, casting. It was Amish. Well. And then I let it sit at the state park for, um, I, I actually think it's still there. Remember seeing a sledgehammer head there, Todd, at all? Uh, I do. I do. I remember seeing something like that. Sledgehammer head. Someone used it was tied to the yellow rope. Yeah. Yeah. I brought it in and just kind of set it by the, where we launch at the state park, mm-hmm. and they were using it for a doorstop, which is much more appropriate than an anchor. Yeah. yeah <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I, yeah. I do know what you meant. Yeah, I, I did see that up there. Yeah. How about that? I mean, it's like, that is fishing Pennsylvania in the spring when we fish out here. They just put tons of shit in the lake. Uh, yeah. How many times do you get snagged up there fine tuning and fishing? Uh, uh, all the time. I've invested in a, a lure retriever. Yeah, I have numerous. I don't even keep on the boat in Chautauqua. I didn't. Usually, I get snagged once or twice a year at Chautauqua. Last year, I got snagged once, and it was on Vance's lure and line that he had got snagged previously on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wonder if that's I, still there. That snag. That, that snag. I don't know because I, I when I hooked, I was snagged on something. I was like, "Oh, it's fishing line," and I got it out, and it was like, "Oh." That's the Lord Vance lost there a couple weeks ago. Uh, and I come back here and fish the end of the season, a few days here in Pennsylvania. I can't even tell you how many times they had the lure retriever out. <laughs> the yeah, real showstoppers. Yeah. Boy. Structure in reservoirs, terrible stuff. Side of the boat. And on Golly. Yeah, Fire. remember remember when that was trying to be like a thing for Habitat at Chautauqua where they wanted to – there was a group that wanted to drop structure in the lake? Zach was running that up, and, and I was I, I sent him a message like, don't you dare drop a bunch of shit out in 12 feet of water. Oh, lake. been, been <laughs> so bad. <laughs> That's a horrible idea. <laughs> yeah, it's a bad idea for, for a natural lake like that. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, kicker. I think it'd be great to just start, you know, throwing panels of chain link in there. Oh, yeah. A hurricane fence or whatever you want to call it. I caught that. I the my last snag was real terrible. I had to uh I was snagged on something at Chautauqua and it was a uh DK muscular that was snagged and everybody knows that those are expensive lures. I had to cleat it and drive off with it. I couldn't move it. How did that pan out? I was out of lure. 
It's terrible. And it happened to be a lure that like was uh, repeatedly getting hit, so it really sucked. What do you I go think, out. What do you think it signed up on? I, I didn't know at that time. I had no idea, and I was kind of in it like a really terrible situation because I was driving into this really strong current, and there was like two-foot chop, and I couldn't fight it really good, and the boat control was crazy, and I was still trying to run the charter, so I was just like, you know what, screw it. I'm not going to sit here and get drifted all over the place and have more lines out and all this crap. You know, you just make a de- an executive decision to say, I'm cutting my losses and doing that. Bomber day comes around. I'm trolling around. I have a backup, same lure, out. Snagged. Same area. Not on the same spot because I marked the snag. But in and around, I'm like, God. People are like, fish, fish. I'm like, no, 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 no. Damn it. This is I'm snagged up again. I'm gonna I'm gonna be out here. Uh, another great lore. And I, it just this sucks. Well, it's still water at this point. Obviously, wind direction and all that stuff changes. So it's still water. I reel everything and I want to try to get this one back because it's my last one. Like I said, this happened to be a very hot lore at the time. So I play with it and I start to, I'm moving it. I'm like, huh, that's crazy. I'm moving this thing. And I'm, and, and I'm lifting it up and there's just like heavy, heavy resistance. I don't know what it is at, at this point. I don't know if it's a boat or whatever. Well, I eventually get this thing to the surface, just bury the drag and I'm fighting this thing like it's a Goliath grouper in front of the clients. And I pull it up and it's a drift sock with carabiners and chains and all this crazy stuff that was rigged up to it. And I'm like, oh, my God. And the drift sock is as big as my transom. It's enormous. It's the biggest drift sock you've ever seen. I pulled in the boat, and I'm like, well, we're taking this out of there. I start to see some fishing line. I'm like, oh, my God. That's my fishing line. And I find the lure. From a couple days before. Yep, that I got. Do you think that it moved? Because you said you weren't on the same spot. I think that it moved, yeah. What what was holding it in the water? The incredible amount of chains that were on it. Yeah. Like, there was... It almost looked like there was an anchor chain. Not lost, but I've marked a few snags on Chautauqua, and I can go right through that same spot right now, and it's not there anymore. Like Exactly. I was snagged on a sailboat one time that I could see the pole coming up. I could yeah. – it's, it's never like the snag you get here in Pennsylvania where it's like, oh, somebody dropped 18 pallets tied together with cement blocks and Christmas trees to make some crappie Bull. Bullhead spawning grounds. Yeah. yeah. So this thing had, it had chain link on it. Um, Almost like the chain link that Todd and I need to pass a public vessel inspection. I think it's like 15 foot of it. Yeah. Before it connects to a rope. And uh, talking about your anchor. Um, But that that's what was on this. And it was like connected in a couple ways. 
it almost looked like they had chain link, chain link that they would put on like two cleats. If that makes sense, meets in the middle. And then all of a sudden there's this giant parachute bag. It was humongous, dude. What do you think the purpose of it was? I mean, trying to be like spot on the spot for big, big, I'm, for, I'm not moving. Yeah. Big for those walleyes in the 20 mile an hour wind and stay right in 42 feet of water. Mm-hmm. And you but know like, that they, they had an anchor out plus that drift. Yeah. Sock, you know, I found it. I threw it on the grounds of the state, the state park to see if anybody would claim it. Mm. I saw, I saw him throwing it away the like, whatever end october november something like that but it was it was like way overdone it was something that like somebody macgyvered like i said to say okay we're gonna go out there and we're never going to move we're gonna sit right here yep but this thing was so big and probably created so much drag that it just like ripped the cleats off the boat Okay, so we fish there like every day, Vance, and I'm picturing a couple boats, and I, I'm picturing a boat right now, but that probably <laughs> that Yeah. Guy, that, that guy that made the uh, I know I know you can I mean, he, he like, his boat is like a like Oh, a pon- it, it's a pontoon slash yeah. tri-haul thing? <laughs> he has yes. a dog boat all the time. Yes. All out there right in front of the state park it's like three different boats put into one yeah. like you're, yeah with a new motor on it like with a there's new, not like, that many people out there in the fall mm-hmm. but we know the people that are fishing i know the no, guy tell stories about how much they're catching and uh, i know they're not there uh, yeah that's the boat it came from. I'll bet you any money. I bet you it did too. And it probably <laughs> ripped off those cleats because his cleats are on. <laughs> they're on a pontoon, like the fence, the thing that goes around the pontoon. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just whatever. What is that? Aluminum? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. wiggly. Right. He probably drilled down, put a cleat on it, backed it with a screw, and it just probably just folded right over. <laughs> what 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 would that come off of? You know, it's, it's it was. It, Do you know the guy? I know the guy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he has three different boats put into one that he built. Yeah. He's very proud of it. It takes him about twenty minutes to launch. Oh yeah. And the dog runs everywhere. And if you're launching with him at the same time, you're like trying to not run over the dog. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, yeah, that's There's nobody else putting the time in there that that would come off of. Yeah. Strong possibility. Yeah. <laughs> this, uh, I'm, the thing was hum- huge. It was just giant. Did he make it himself or was it a brand? It was definitely a made, made himself type of deal. Even the drift sock was, there was like stitching in it and stuff. It was a homemade oversized drift sock yeah and when there was still water i was able to pull the thing up it hit on it hit on an out rod 
that nine foot extra heavy St. Croix and it bent it in half like crazy. When I was, when I was fighting the thing, fighting it, reeling it in. Right. Right. If anyone has not used a drift sock, I have one for my boat. I used it on the old Ranger and I, I moved it into, to my, my current boat. They do an incredible job of slowing your drift down and they don't have to be that big. So, when you hear like what Vance is talking about, I, I'm envisioning something like unnecessarily large. And it's just like you're just dragging a thousand pounds of water. Yeah. Well, I've, I've, I've used them in musky fishing. I have one. Mm-hmm. And uh, they definitely very efficiently will slow you down. It's a regular old standard bought drift sock. But uh, musky fishing, <laughs> you know, when it's windy and you got that thing out, you're still blowing. And the next thing you know, you're telling the guy to take the fish to the back, the back of the boat. And uh, it can't almost, be on the drift sock side. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. The last, <laughs> the last time I had it out, I dang near netted the fish in the drift sock which is why I don't you really use it all that much anymore. You know, we got mm-hmm. the, fish, but the drift sock. Yeah. We got it. That, but you know, <laughs> muskies up like a walleye. Jigging, down. Yeah. Yeah. It, that was, that was crazy. I don't know how we got on, on the drift sock yeah. topic, but I lost that lure. I got it back. Huge snag. And, uh, I think that's where we went from our the the anchor. We went anchor to to drift sock because what was on there was anchor material uh, for this drift sock. But yeah, just crazy. I I never lose things and find them myself, and and that was like one of the times where I did. I'll find other things from other people. And, and like return them. I do have Todd's lure. I did find Todd's lure that's been riding in my boat. And I, uh, when I cleared my boxes, I found that I have it there. It's going to be in that original a ho- a holiday gift. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to cut, cut the hooks off it, but uh, <laughs> I never find my stuff that I lose, i.e., nets, rods. Things like that. I, I, but that was the first time I did. And I didn't just find mine. I found the biggest drift sock you could, you, you could jump off of the Empire State Building and it would take you a year to get down. That's how big this thing was. It was like a, it was a giant parachute. Was it, could it have been a parachute? Dude, there, there were so many different pieces of material on it. There was like Top Gun material that we would use on a boat cover or or the Bimini. Uh, there was like pillows. There was back Afghan looking material. It was wild. Hmm. Okay. The more you explain, the more I'm ninety nine sure we know who it came from. But exactly. Yeah. Do you know this person well enough to say I think I found your drift sock? I would definitely uh, 
approach him with with that conversation. <laughs> yeah, did you happen to lose a drift saw? It's windy out there. Do you guys do you guys use drift saw? Oh yeah, we make them ourselves. <laughs> I really like Take- these knit afghans from Nana. They yeah. really slow the water down. Check one out. I have it in my cab right now. It takes up its entirety. That was crazy. I got the lure back. Continued to fish it. Did it? I fish on it. It's great. Yeah. The bite continued. I got two fifties on it after I found that two fifties in the same day, same freaking lure. Was it in the same spot as the uh, the drift sock? No. No, it was not. Top secret. Yeah. You don't have, you have zero threat by me. I, I am <laughs> not going to be. You know, I'm just. I know. I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make a joke. It's. Um... Yeah, but. That was crazy. My kicker's broken. Got to have safety features. Here's here's another thing. Uh, we can go back to the kicker and like trying to jump your motor quickly. Uh, I've switched cars a lot, like from August till November. Lots of cars switching around. Uh, my truck was down. I used another truck, um, rental cars or loaner cars because the car that I ordered wasn't, wasn't doing too hot. Lots of things, uh, it changed around when you are using multiple cars to try and fish on the lake for the day. So, (laughs) so like you can't, you have to like gut your car, put it into the next one. So, so you make sure you ha- you have it. Like there's a couple things that I have in my tailgate just in case I need to run back to grab it you know, on, on a day in the water. Um, so when that happens and you're doing it as much as me and you're getting ready for an infant and all this crazy stuff, uh, at some point you just say, you know, screw it. We'll take, life as it comes one day at a time and i have this little portable jumper it's called a halo and you charge it up just you plug it in just like you would plug in your iphone into like a 110 outlet and it gives you enough charge to jump a car jump jump your boat engine whatever and i usually have that on me i didn't have it on me because i have changed so many things and like i said you just put your arms up and say screw it let's just see what happens i would highly recommend and i still haven't found mine because there's been so much in and out of the cars uh to grab one of those they're like 85 bucks on amazon on ebay whatever uh charge it it's very small it's like the size of a brick and you can use it for 
a cell phone charger. You can essentially charge whatever off of it. You can plug uh, a little two prong thing into it, like a extension cord. And then it comes with a big giant positive and negative claw. And you can jump with that. That's another thing to have for safety. How, about how much cranking out, time do, do you have? With, trying to get it to, to run? Yeah, so let's just say your, 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 your boat so will start. Like, there's a mode on it where it kind of surges. And it starts instantaneously. For me, it did. Now, my motors have never been like down to zero, of course. But there's just not enough power for it to for it to turn over, and I've hit it on there, and uh, it just starts in, instantaneous, like it would just be a normal day, you know. Just got on the water, boom, started up, good to go. I got one uh, after I had the, that problems like with my tiller back in like 2015, the big one, and that time that like I I took that kid on the night trip and my motor was dying and you know all that negligence with the tiller and the wrong batteries and I was trying to jump it from a I had jumper cables and I was trying to jump the thing from the uh, trolling motor batteries all the way back to the crank and I was like sparking everything because it was a tin boat making fireworks you were welding but so, so after that I like I think there's got to be an a more simple thing to do here. They have these little things called halos. That's now in my glove box. So, uh, of the boat. And you got this, uh, this, this one specifically, or you, now you're packing it specifically because of the, the kicker. Packing it specifically because, because of everything I learned throughout this year. Uh, you know, it would, it was in my truck. And I was like, if I ever need it, I'll, I'll motor in and grab it. Or if my boat doesn't start in the morning, I'll fire it up and we'll be good to go. But now it's just going to be on my person uh, at all times. So little, little investment halo thing. If your boats are running, how they're setting them up now where everything, your electronics and if you run your electronics to a specific battery or your crank or whatever, um, it's not a bad thing to have. It's handheld, hook it up, boom, you'll start right back up. Nice. There's other versions too. There's not just one halo and you know, there's, there's a ton. So, and it's not the video game. No, no, that was popular in college. Very much so. Nice. Now, there was a, a, something you wanted to talk about prior to the show. You said you had a question. I did, yeah. I could go through so many more boats. How about this? Let's go through. We're on the boat thing. If you got, if you got yeah. some off the top of your head, some boat stuff, you know, Todd, if you have anything, too, we can, you know. That, so that... Just the, uh, this just, this falls along the line. This is just a, a scenario that happened to me. Um, I, uh, was casting 
Mm-hmm. Come in, everything's good. Go up to the camper, drop the boat off, drive home to see the baby, wake up, go back, do the next guy day. Boat was plugged in. I go into my camper. I open up the door. I see that the GFI is tripped. Okay. Man, that sucks. Sure does. You know, none of my outlets were working. Like, whatever. I got to get down to the ramp. Launch the boat. Big, like, south wind. Go through your routine of, of launching. There was, like, one-footers in where we launch. So I launch the boat, comes off the trailer, it starts to drift away from me. Not out towards sea, but just like over towards the other side of the dock. Yeah, because the south wind is a crosswind. It, 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 it is. If it's dead south, it, it's, it's blowing it like a, yes, a crosswind in there from where Todd and I launch. And uh, so I do this like track triple jump, like get into the, uh, onto the casting platform, open up the walkthrough, get on the motor, turn the key, doesn't go. (laughs) And then I turn to the kicker and I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta use the kicker. It'll, it'll jump it up, turn the kicker, fire it. Works for about 10 seconds, shuts off. And then all of a sudden, I'm on the other side of the dock. Are you about to smash into something? Well, I, I float into the dock. And then I'm like, damn. I didn't know if there was like another boat like there set or something. Up on, my rod holders are set up on that side with the aluminum clamshells. They hit the dock post. The aluminum clamshells did not bend, did not break. It didn't. They, they they stood the test of time there because I hit pretty hard. And I'm sitting there thinking like, whew, man, okay, I'm good. No one saw that. Even though my truck is on the other side and my boat is on the other side right now, the completely opposite of what you would, you would imagine. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm just going to tie up, make sure the rod holders are good, and uh, pull the trailer out and start the day. So I did that, and I'm like, wait a minute. I was like, my big motor did not start. I'm completely screwed. <laughs> and especially because that, uh, you know, my kicker's not running, so I'm not going to have my jump. And that's where how all this stuff really started to happen. And it happened because it was on charge. Something happened over the night. That tripped that GFI and shut down all my outlets on the camper and all my electricity. And I was screwed. So it's good to plan for terrible things. Unfortunately, it usually takes some type of event for you to be prepared for uh, the next one that will happen. Yeah, it, it, it takes a real good... Yeah, uh, butt kicking to to say that maybe I was a little naive on some of my some of my stuff, but you also you got to be careful on what what you pack because I know some people that literally ha- pack so much stuff they have no room for anything. 
Yeah, exactly. Because you want it to still be a fishing trip. You don't want it to be like a camping slash. We're go- yeah, we're going into the bush. <laughs> you know, and I have like, uh, you know, can uh, can goods just in yeah, case. MREs, <laughs> survival <Yes>. blankets, hand <laughs> exactly. cranking radios—the ones that they can charge them. You crank charge them by cranking. You guys ever use those? I've, I've had them. I mean, it takes a lot, at least from my memory, maybe mine sucked, a lot of cranking to get a very little amount of time out of it. Yeah. I think there were, and those cranks, like they're, they're terrible. They're essentially good for like a fake camping trip where you can sit at the tent and just crank it up. I specifically remember a, like a, a day in college. I might have been a sophomore at the time, and I was on the wing where we were staying and this guy who was like a you know half a hillbilly he hunted he went home for hunting and he was bitching this one day like when we came back from off of thanksgiving break like during finals about how they were looking for this deer that they shot and this guy's like idiot father-in-law had one of these cranks so they were searching for this deer that was shot and missed and they had like a, a crappy blood trail and they're going through the the woods looking for it and all you hear is the whole time because that was the only flashlight he had oh my gosh yes they had a light built in like super emergency it's like a ham radio flashlight you know like yes oh my gosh and it it, it, it like yes it so was you're trying to walk in on this deer and it's like trying to keep the light lit yeah, Our country it, is not there yet, but it could be. <laughs> I have one somewhere. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. I don't. I'm I'm not as prepared as you guys. Separate the flashlight <laughs> or my white bath. I have one. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, along those same lines, so like you know how like how many how much effort it takes to keep a light lit. Or like that radio going on that hand cranker. I remember this is I don't even know how long ago it was, but it, it was it's been a while. I remember watching like a Winter X Games or something, and they're like, "Yeah, this 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 whole whatever broadcast is being powered by the athletes," and they had like a stationary bike tent <laughs> where they had like these professional like half pipe skiers and snowboarders and they're they're just bicycling away so they can turn little generators to to power i don't know if it was the broadcast or you know like maybe a hot cocoa machine i don't really know but uh they were, popcorn. that's right the an early efforts to show how green they've gone and uh <laughs> It just seemed like an awful lot of work. I mean, t- to the point to where I don't blame someone if they want to, you know, have a coal fire power plant because <laughs> it's a lot of work to make electricity work. Absolutely. But anyways. Okay. Yeah. So I had a question like prior to the podcast. Okay. And it's a, it's a question that comes up frequently on the boat when I'm guiding and probably happens to Todd as well. 
you're using old technology, sonar. Sonar, 2D sonar is up at all times on my boat, whether I'm looking at down scan or side scan or whatever. Now there's live scope and all that, things of that nature. 2D sonar is generally a staple on people's boats. Would you agree? Yes. Mm -hmm. It's been out for a while, yes? It's reliable, yes. Okay. So drive over some. There's a fish right there. Well, how do you know? Well, this big arc, okay. Cool. I see another one. Then before you know it, they're in your lap. They're they're looking at this thing so much that you want to turn it off. And that has happened before. Um, but some people, the question will arise. Once you see that arc, it starts at the beginning of the screen. You obviously know its depth because that's what it tells you, where it is, where it, is, where it was. Where is it now is what people will ask because you have a screen, whether it's a five, seven, nine, 10, 12, whatever it is, it starts to trail off. And you're like, where is that? People will ask, where is that fish now? There's a market, say 15 feet. It just started on the beginning of your depth finder. It's traveling left. Where is it now? How far back is it right now? If you could understand that, where is it? Like if it's halfway through the screen, where is that mark right now? It doesn't matter if you have live screen, depth screen, side scan, down scan. Fish can swim. Yes. It could be 50 yards from you by the time the boat went over it. If it was moving when it went through your. Well, it was a, it's a picture of what was just there. Yeah. So it shows just right under your boat in a big circle. But by the time the lures got there, if you're running 80 feet of line, that fish could be 50 yards away or more. Agreed. Yeah. So I, I think, Vance, let, let me make sure. So let's just say there's a suspended fish that is not moving. And when the boat crosses over it, um, people are envisioning where would like, if you had to throw a marker buoy, where would that fish be as you're mm -hmm. driving away? Like, and this, this, uh, fish arc is, is slowly gutting across your screen to where, till it's gone. They're just like, where is it at actually in the world? Because mm -hmm. you know how, you know how deep it is. That's one dimension. You know that's not really left and right because it's under your boat because that's how the sonar works. So you're looking at how far behind the boat is it at any given time, correct? Right, yeah. And let's just for hypothetical sense say that it's just a stationary fish. fish. It lost all its fish. Okay. So your, your transom crosses. Boom. Continue, Andy. Okay, well... Honestly, there is no answer, but I, I will explain why there's no answer. Um, I know like on my Lorances, when I had Lorance, on that on the 2D sonar, there's also like all the way to the extreme right of the screen, there's another like little sidebar, and, I, and Hummingbird might have it too. 
it, and it's it's not very noticeable. But essentially, that's like a little flasher bar. It's a flasher. Yes. And that's giving you, like, if you paid attention to it, you're going to, like, if you had nothing, it's the greatest thing in the world. But if you have, like, new technology now, it's, it's largely overlooked. But what it's doing is it's giving you instantaneous feedback of what that sonar is seeing. It's just not putting it in a display that's, that's scrolling. It's just, yeah. this is it. It's here. It's gone. If you miss three D's display, if you will, usually the flasher does a little flash and I see a blip on the screen. Yeah. It, it, it prints it out on the screen, but it's after the fact. Correct. So if you need instantaneous, like if like, like people that ice well, fish with flashers, after, it's like a flasher. It's after the fact on the sonar that's traveling left or right yeah. to left, but the flasher I think is actually accurate, like right now. Boom. Oh, it's live. Flashes. It is. If it flashes, that's it right there. Yep. Yeah. So you, you would see that a lot in like ice fishing. Like, oh, there it is. There it is. There it is. Boom. Hits. You could watch it. Flash, 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 flash. Hit. Most of the time when we're using these, we're rolling. We're moving at four miles an hour. Uh, the circle. I, I, I know where I, I know I know where you're getting at because people. Do look at that stuff on the screen, and uh, I'm sure Vance can say the same thing. There are days that I can be like, "There's one right there," and a rod goes off. Mm-hmm. There's one there and a rod goes off. Those days don't happen often, but it does happen. <laughs> yeah, because they're in the zone. I know where everything's at, but the, and the and the fish are active and doing it. But you know, from what I understand, Andy and Vance. Uh, you know, like for every foot, like let's say you're trolling in 12 feet of water, a foot depth gives you six inch circle. So you go down, so uh, like six inches coming off your thing when you're foot down, off of your puck, off your puck. So when you're when you're fishing, which we spend a lot of time fishing in 15, 14 feet of water. And I try to explain to people, you, you understand that like in, in, in 14 feet of water, if we're getting, we're, we're, we're covering seven feet of what's like what we're going over in a circular, in a big round circle. It's a cone. Yeah, it's a cone. And we're seven feet. That's not even as wide as the boat is. And that seven foot is at the bottom. If you're halfway yes. up, it's three and a half bottom, foot. You're not picking stuff up top. So sometimes I'm fishing in shallow water when I'm in 14 feet and I'm trolling and I'm like, but man, there's a lot of fish here. And I see blips coming through. Like, uh, yeah, it didn't look like it did when we were fishing up in the north and we we're in 30 feet of water. No, it doesn't because we're, <laughs> we're only in 13 feet right now. There's a lot of fish here uh, because I'm marking fish down five feet you know, six, seven feet down, my circle is like three feet. I can always pick them up when I go up into North end and I'm in 40 feet of water. You can mark fish all over the place. Mm -hmm. You're getting a huge, big, I mean, going to Lake Erie walleye fishing is just, you know, you're in 60 foot of water and you have a 30 foot cone. You're going to have a lot of marks. Yep, my, 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 you know, the difference between what we do, what we mostly, what I mostly do, musky fishing, and going to Lake Erie, like, 
I used to have a bottom line on my uh, on my Lund. And, you know, I was like, yeah, I don't really mark that much, this and that. And then I would go to Lake Erie and it's like, oh, look, 48 feet down, there's the walleyes. And you'd put your dipsy diver down there and you catch them. It's very simple. But you're, you're just showing so much more of the bottom than when you're in 10 feet, like, you know, or 12 feet. You're like, oh, we're not marking much. I was like, I, I don't really care what I'm marking in here. You know, a little bit is a lot, and I'm in when I'm in 12 feet of water. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, to kind of take that further, so to try to throw like some kind of visual reference where people can take it off of a computer screen and look behind the boat and say. That fish is going, you know, our bait is going to go by that stationary fish right now. Is mm-hmm. it, you know, what people are probably thinking. And the reason why I can't say I can give you an answer is that you have, you have a couple things. You have two variables, and it's very hard to solve the problem with two variables. One is uh, chart scroll speed. It's yeah, just, man. it's it's a, it's a setting. You can have that chart scroll twice as fast. You could have it go half as speed. Oh. And there's no, like, there's, it, there is no relation. It's just like, how long do you want it in front of you? Mm-hmm. And the other thing is boat speed. So if, if you know that the, the chart speed scrolls, let's just say if you have an image start on the right and it takes 10 seconds to get to the other side and then it disappears. So you have a 10-second visual time of that. Whether you're doing 20 miles an hour or 0.2 miles an hour, it's still going to take 10 seconds. So mm-hmm. in that in that time, at twenty miles an hour, what that's a third of a mile a minute. So that's roughly whatever fifteen sixteen hundred feet. Sixteen hundred feet it takes. Divide that by six. You know you're right around two hundred and twenty feet per sec. Uh, two hundred twenty feet you covered in a screen time. Whereas if yeah. you're going like point two, you've went like two or three feet. Yeah. At this musky trolling speed, I mean, I, I can specifically remember the one time I had you, you were fit, you and I, and uh, we had Andy. Andy with us. Yes. And they were hitting, the fish were hitting when I was seeing them. And I, I, I remember, and when you're doing four and a half miles an hour, I remember pointing to you. Do you, you remember this, Andy? And I was I, like, I remember there's, there's an arc right there. And there's I, there's one right there. I made and the sound. And the rod went out. <laughs> yep. But we're, traveling four and a half miles an hour uh there are days that happens i i think that like if you had some kind of marking um to to actually say to to gauge it in feet would be difficult but i think that there would be when you're comfortable at going four four and a half miles an hour you could shoot by the hip approximation on some stuff like if you knew let's just say there was some some land marker that when you went by, you picked it up. I don't know. Let's just say like a half sunken tree. And you're like, okay, there's the stump. And you go over, okay, here's the top. And you're going along and you're like, okay, I'm at four miles an hour. This thing, um, you know, I went over it. I can see it on the screen. And then when it was halfway across the screen, my 40 yard, uh, 40 foot back down rod snagged up. Okay. So at four miles an hour, whatever your speed is, I I traveled 40 feet in half the screen time. And and you could kind of then gauge off of that. But 
you know, that, that varies. Of course, if you were doing two miles an hour, it would have only been 20 feet, you know, some yeah. example, it, it would just literally be, you're going to have to feel it out and, and kind of come up with that. It's a hard, it's a hard thing to explain to these, a lot of the people who are taken out that are new or haven't done it before. When you're looking at the screen and they're looking, are you seeing any fish? Yeah, there's lots of fish. And then trying to explain that. I think that's what Vance was getting at here. It's like, geez, you know. Yeah. uh, yeah, When when you look at, you know, people are like, how come there's no fish, little fish icons? You're like, because I'm, I'm an adult. You know, I don't need, I don't need the fish cartoons on there, though it is fun. And kids like to see that because they, they just like, Hey, there's a fish there when it really could just be a bunch of clutter of some, some mess. You don't know. And, you know, when you're like, no, I'm looking for this. I'm looking for this arc. Uh, there might be a little little bubble of red inside of it, you know, that, that tells it that there could be air in the swim bladder. You know, it's picking up some of this stuff and, and learning to read that stuff. So it, it is it is hard to get someone that has never really seen it. They're like, okay, what are you looking for here? And to them, it just looks like, what is this? Like mm-hmm. some abstract painting. Someone took a a paintbrush with some paint on it with their thumb and they just started spritzing paint on the, you know, on the screen. It's picking out what you think noise is, algae, other crap, bait fish. And, and, and the craziest thing about it is Andy and, and Vance, as much as we do it, like I look, I believe what I'm seeing. I don't care. There's lots of times when I really don't care. I want them to bite the lure. They can yeah. be fish they can be whatever uh i just like an act screen because you know everyone's like well what are those i said i don't really care what they are they can be perch they can be bullheads they can be something but because they're here there could be a predator here yeah i would say like the old technology 2d sonar we use it most for bait fish and when it clogs up with weeds to know when to pull out. And that's, that's our structure for, for mm-hmm. casting on specifically on Chautauqua Lake, but bringing it back full circle to look at this 2d to try to figure out where that fish is now that we just passed up, whether it's depth and all this crazy stuff, there's, there's variables in it that kind of make it inconclusive to where it is right now mm-hmm. with most importantly, their fins and their movement you might've just caught it and it was on a run somewhere and it just showed you real quick, but uh, chart speed, your speed, yeah, things of that nature make, makes it tough to figure out where that arc is right now. Yeah. And it, it, it's tough. To, it's it's tough to do too because it's like perfectly shown to you on an X and Y axis. Mm-hmm. You know, do you know what I'm saying, Andy? Yeah. Like there, there's your there and Todd. Like there, there's the vertical. That's your depth. There's a a flat line. That's you know you that's have an your X direction and y of axis. travel. Yeah, that, you're right there. So how can we not figure this out? Well, we could figure out where that dot is if we sat down and did it. Mm-hmm. But by the time you did that, it's, it's gone. You're already, you're, you're already past it. M- musky fishing makes it a little different, I think, because 
I, I do do some Great Lakes fishing for the salmon, for the uh, walleye and stuff. And, you know, we'll be out there <laughs> fishing for salmon and you're in, you know, 600 feet of water. And you see this arc come up. And the arc covers the whole screen, a nine-inch screen. And it's like, what the heck is that? Well, that, that fish comes up and it's like falling. You can see them come up. And then it just, because it's falling your bait, you know, mm-hmm. and it creates this arc that is huge. And it was like, so that fish is, it's, it's like a, uh, a killer whale that's living out here. That's what it looks like on the screen. Mm-hmm. We, just, we don't see that when we're musky fishing. Like, I don't see the fish rising up and looking at the downrigger ball and then going back down because we're going way too fast. Well, that and also your cone size. Yeah, the cone size. Yeah, because of the cone size, I'm looking right underneath me. It could be falling the bait right back there, but I got 80 feet of line out, and I'm, I can't see what's going on back there. But I can if I'm in 600 feet of water. You have a downrigger with 20 well, feet back. These, yeah, your your bait is in the cone. <laughs> you get these giant arcs, which every time I go with my friend Ed. And, and we see these like, oh, there's come, there's one coming up after the Don Rigger. And it's like, this is crazy. <laughs> and you can see this, and this giant arc forms. And most of the time, a lot of the times, the Don Rigger will pop. You know, we're not getting to see that. We're not fishing in those depths. Uh, birdie passed and through by the time. I don't know what's going on back behind the boat. I guess you mm-hmm. can do optics and look at a couple of your baits. I've got some great. I've had some guys, I know you had them on your boat, Vance. Uh, I had some guys bring and show, you know, I'm fishing with guys and they're showing me footage of, you know, same place we were fishing the day before. And they're showing me footage of those fish coming up and following mm-hmm. the bait, follow it a big circle around, the, you know, they follow it for like, you know, two minutes. Mm-hmm. They're trying to get them to hit and yeah. But we're, we're, we're back behind because of the speeds we're going, I think. Speeds and depths. Right. Speed and chart speed and fins all make it inconclusive Mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. Like I said, like you could probably get good at ballparking it if you had some reference, but you know, like the three variables, chart speed, boat speed, fish speed, um, and kind of like to, to expand a little bit more Vance, you know, he's like X and Y it's, it's, it's weird to think that our whole life, like human life, other than, um, going swimming and flying in airplanes, everything we do is just about 3d. I mean, uh, 2d. Yes. That yeah. we do have some vertical movement now and then, but if you actually think about like the surface of the earth as just a, a, a plane, we can't really jump that high to, to really give any kind of credible, you know, Z movement. It is, you know, or, or however, whatever axis you want to put it on. Um, we're living on, on a surface and it's, it's a lot of 2d movement. You get in the water and you start swimming. Like if you go scuba diving and stuff, you know, for, for us people, if we have to worry about a predator, say there's a bear that wants to eat us, it's usually to our left, our right, in front of us, or behind us. Mm-hmm. You go in the water, 
you got front, back, left, right, up and down. Where's that shark coming from? It's it's a whole other dimension. And while your brain can comprehend it, it's not used to doing this day to day. Having you know a, a, a motion that's a whole other direction. So, um, you know those those fish, they will do whatever they want, how they want to do it. They're living in another dimension that we we just we can comprehend it, but it's it's not our day to day stuff. And um, yeah, I just some some points to think about when you're down there. You know, you might think these are stupid fish, but they are doing something that is really cool by changing where they're at in relationship to the Earth. Mystique. Uh, yeah, birds do it as well. You know, they yes. they have that that third dimension. Yeah, up, down, left, right. Forward, backward. And, um, yo, yo, up, down. That's right. I like it. Um, but other than that, I, I think I think there can be some guesswork and stuff that you do, and uh, but there really is no saying where that fish is. You could humor them by saying, oh, yeah, that, that fish is going to be going by our bait probably right about now. And, and no one's going to be able to prove or disprove yet. <laughs> yeah, that's... And some days you're the hero because, like, there's one. There he is. Yes. Yep. Line goes out. Just a matter how long do you keep? Because I still, especially in 2D, like Vance is talking about, there, there's about a million gar in that lake. There are giant carp. There yeah. are. And people are like, is that a muskie? I was like, it's a big fish. I, there's paddlefish that are six feet long out there now. I mean, I don't know what they are. And, and and the other thing is is a big long fish can look really small. If the fish is perpendicular to the travel, it's going to show yeah. up as a small little arc because it's not going over the length of it. So the chances yeah. of it actually being the long way that that fish is yeah. probably going to be represented as something significantly smaller yeah. than what it actually is. Yep, it's definitely nice to see activity on that screen. Because to me, as I've always said, you know, anything on that activity, whether it's little pops of bait, arches showing up, but there's active fish that are, we're searching for the major predator in the lake, the muskies. I have to assume that there's some around here, you know? Yes. Active screen, I feel like I'm in, I'm in the zone. It's hard for me to on a blank. Really tough. tough. I'm sure it is for a lot of people. Sure I agree. Is. Inconclusive is where we're standing. For that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think I like the make something up to make them feel like you know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, that happens enough in the industry. I'd, I'd much rather be more real. Like, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. End of the year, I might be like, well, it, you know, it could be right there right now. End of the year, beginning of the year, I mean. End of the year, I'm like, I have no idea. Yeah. Stop talking fishing. to me. I'm freezing. I'm going to turn this into side imaging so nobody knows what we're looking at. That's right. 
I like it. Anyone right want to add anything? We'll wrap it up here. I'm good. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. It's coming up. We'll talk in two weeks. That's right. In two weeks. Before the annual doe hunt. Down. Boom. I've been training. Have you? It's unbelievable. No. When's the last time, When's the last time you shot your gun? Last at, a, at a doe? <laughs> I'm going to sight the rifle in. Perfect. Well, it doesn't need like, 30 sighted in, but you got to shoot a little bit. Take a couple shots. It just makes you feel better. I'll take a couple shots. I'm going to sight it in, make sure we're good. We're talking about with a rifle, not liquor. Yeah. Okay. That was a joke. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's going to... I know Todd has a hunting story to to talk about. We already talked about mine. I I I do have I have some supplemental stuff. I, I had a really cool hunt last week, but um, we're gonna see how all this stuff plays out. So, you know, upcoming, maybe not next show, but yeah. here in the future, uh, we're gonna have uh, hunting stories. So, all right, I'm wrapping it up here. Big thanks to Fat Az Musky Products. Muddy Creek Fishing Guide, St. Croix Rods, Ranger Boats, Vix Marine, and Aqua Traction. So, um, everyone, uh, good luck hunting, good luck fishing. Thanks for listening.